his arm a little bit it's a polarizing figure there are people out there that believe that whatever Michigan does is tainted that's up to you to decide but hail hail Michigan they are the champions of college football 2023 hail Hail, hail Michigan. National champs, Michigan Wolverines. Congratulations to the Michigan Wolverines, to their fans, to everybody involved. It's been an absolutely incredible college football season. I'm sad. Not just because college football's over, of course. Uh, but a lot of news in college football. Welcome to We Know Ball, the We Know Ball podcast. My name is Ryan. Episode 79, talking again, all things football. Pretty much all things, right? NFL playoffs are about to start. College football season's over. So many different things to discuss, so many different things to talk about on the field, not to mention off the field. This coaching situation is insane. We'll get into it. Episode 79. Hopefully, you guys enjoy it. At Ryan Knows Ball is my handle on Twitter, at We Know Ball Sports on Instagram, TikTok. Check us out on YouTube. We know ball sports. It's all there, man. It's all there. We provide instant reactions. We provide breakdowns, longer form videos. All the good stuff. All the good stuff. And one of those things that we reacted to in the last 24 hours was the formal and relatively unexpected announcement of the retirement of Nick Saban, head coach of Alabama. Before I even get into that, in the last 24 hours, we've had formal announcements of, you can call it retirement, you can call it mutually agreeing to part ways, mutually agreeing to move on, whatever you want to call it. Pete Carroll. Seattle Seahawks head coach mutually agreeing to kind of part ways or, or move on. Nick Saban mutually. Well, not even that not, not as much of a mutual sort of agreement or whatever you want to call it. However, he retired. He's done coaching. And then most recently as of today, and I'm, uh, most recently, as of today, January 11th, this early, early morning, Bill Belichick and the Patriots, Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, mutually agreeing to part ways. Three legendary championship caliber head coaches all agreeing to basically stop coaching. You can define it as, like I said, mutually agreeing to part ways with the organizations, 
You can define it as retiring. Sounds like, at least in Pete Carroll and Nick Saban's case, they're still going to be around the team, the organizations that they were previously coaching, at least helping out through the transitionary period and potentially becoming some sort of advisor in some degree, some sort of situation where they're going to be around. And I like that. You know, it makes it seem like these guys aren't just, you know, up and dry, gone and done, going to leave everybody hanging. They're not. I don't. Having a hard time. From a grand scale, trying to define what happened with these coaches. And I don't mean in a negative or positive way, but. For me. Pete Carroll retiring or moving on from coaching with the Seahawks. Nick Saban retiring. Bill Belichick moving on from coaching. Signifies more than anything, just the end of an era. It's the end of an era in the world of football. You don't have any coaches anywhere in the sport that are as wise, as successful, for lack of a better term, as old as those three guys. And if you combine the championship caliber experience, the championships themselves, the contributions to the sport of football, just from those three guys that have Moved on from coaching in the last week. Pete Carroll, Nick Saban, Bill Belichick. Without those three guys in the sport of football, the entire sport would be way worse off. Those three guys hesitate to say, but I'm confident in this claim, transformed the sport we know as football, both professionally and at the collegiate level. Pete Carroll did both. Nick Saban did both. Saving success in the NFL, not quite. But if you combine all the contributions to the sport, all the championships, all the success, the impacts from Pete Carroll, Nick Saban, and Bill Belichick, football would be in a way worse place without those three guys. And the combination of contributions from those three transformed the sport of football as we know. And it signifies the end of an era for a lot of people, no matter the age, that were able to experience what the sport of football was like when those three guys were in their prime, at their peak, contributing at a high level from a coaching perspective. Pete Carroll at USC and then on the Seahawks. Nick Saban in the early parts of his career, going into the NFL, not having as much success, transitioning to college and just flat out dominating for two decades. Bill Belichick, obviously the Patriots dynasty, walking out of there with six Super Bowl rings. The contributions are, are priceless. And it's the end of an era. It's a sad but celebratory moment. And it takes me back to a quote that I know most famously from The Office, but I'm sure it's more famous from somewhere else or it's been created in referenced a few different times, but it takes me back to a quote that I remember too well. Eight years ago, 10 years ago, I wish there was a way to know you were in the good old days before you actually left them because we've passed the good old days at this point. At least the good old days and the golden days of coaching. Don't get me wrong, there's some amazing coaches across the sport of football. There's still some legendary figures, legendary icons. But in terms of absolute, sheer and utter domination, and I'm talking like nobody will ever reach the level that these three coaches have reached combined. If I had to rank the coaches, I think it'd be really hard to say because each guy, like I mentioned, you know, had contributions in different facets due to different factors, different organizations, a lot of surrounding 
circumstance impacted how well these guys performed as coaches, right? And it's hard to quantify exactly how much this most recent wave of retirements and coaches, it's hard to quantify how much these coaches actually contributed to the sport. It's, it's, it's impossible. And I'm not going to attempt to quantify what Pete Carroll, Nick Saban, and Bill Belichick contributed to the sport of football. But what I can say with absolute certainty is you will never, ever, ever have a coach that had as much success as Bill Belichick did in the NFL ever again. You won't have it. It won't happen. Six Super Bowls, it won't happen again. Seven national championships from a college football coach absolutely unequivocally will never happen again. It will never happen again. In today's day and age of college football, the transfer portal, NIL, scholarships, uh, recruiting, high school, NFL influence, it is impossible to replicate what Nick Saban did as a head coach in college football. It will never be repeated. I said the same thing about a handful of guys that retired in certain sports with guys like Albert Pujols or Miguel Cabrera in baseball, uh, Tom Brady as a quarterback in football. You know, you've got some guys like LeBron when he ends up retiring where it's the type of career, it's the type of contributions that will never happen again. Albert Pujols finished his career with 700 homers and 3,000 hits. There will never be a player in the history of college football, or I mean, uh, uh, of Major League Baseball, what did I say? Did I say, did he hit 700? 600. How many home runs did Albert Pujols have? 700. Okay. 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 I was right. I thought I was wrong there for a second, but I was right. Because it sounds like a crazy number, right? It sounds astronomical. You have to double check your math sometimes. Albert Pujols finished his career with 700 career homers, 3,000 career hits. I said that will never happen again from any player in the history of the sport. It won't happen. It'll never happen again. Seven national championships from a head coach in college football from one guy. It will never happen again. Nick Saban is the last coach in the history of college football to finish his career with seven national championships as a head coach. He is the last one to do that. It will never be replicated. It will never be repeated. Bill Belichick is the last coach in the history of the NFL to finish his career as a head coach with six Super Bowls. It will never happen again. It will never, ever, ever happen again in the history of college and the NFL. As times progressed, as things have gone on, as people leave with free agency in the NFL, people transfer in college football, money, NIL, recruiting, professional influence, sponsorships, big markets, small markets, instant gratification, have to win now. Patience is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. The leashes are getting shorter and shorter for these coaches. Nobody will even last that long. You can have a head coach who wins three championships in five years. And I'm not saying that is impossible that in and of itself is incredibly difficult but you can have a head coach that goes championship second place finish championship second place finish championship and then in that fifth year that sixth year they finish under 500 have a couple of untimely injuries then somebody leaves and circumstances happen and then a couple of key pieces get moved and then they miss on a draft pick. And then the, the year after that, they finish under 500. People are going to be asking to fire him. Like it's, that's the day and age that we live in the leash of Bill Belichick, the leash that Nick Saban got 
rightfully earned, but will never be as long in the history of both professional and college sports. They deserved the leash that they got because of the established success that those guys repeated over and over and over again, but we'll never, ever, ever see a caliber of coach and the level of success that was produced by Nick Saban in college football and Bill Belichick in the NFL. It will never be repeated. And I think that is probably the most important thing to reflect on in this entire situation. You could talk about who is, who's going to replace him. You can talk about the competition in, in both the NFL and college people, you know, like celebrate, Oh, the Alabama dynasty is over. Patriots dynasty is over all this and that, you know, understandably people can be a little bit excited about that. I get it because it's going to make the, le- the playing field a little bit more level. I think the fact that a coach retiring is celebratory for other teams and other potential competitors of those retired coaches. The fact that other teams are celebrating the retirement, celebrating the mutual parting of ways shows you how dominant and how lethal those coaches were when they were coaching. That to me speaks volumes. It's priceless. Auburn was rolling tumors corner after the announcement of Nick Saban retiring. If that doesn't tell you how lethal and how deadly that guy was at coaching and how much of a juggernaut program he built, I don't know what to tell you. People celebrating Belichick leaving New England, the dynasty of the Patriots officially being over, even though, you know, it was probably over with as soon as Brady left. Regardless, people celebrating that shows you how lethal Bill Belichick was as a head coach in the NFL. Congratulations to all of them. Unbelievable careers, unbelievable coaching. I think it's yet to be seen, and I'm not a fortune teller. Maybe one day some new generational type coach will come along and somehow find a way to manage all the different outside influences and distractions when it comes to being an NFL head coach or being a a massive program, power five, college football coach, or both in the case of Pete Carroll. But I think more than anything, without getting, you know, sappy or emotional or sad, the retirement of these older coaches, these dominant, massive influence, incredibly prominent head coach figures, it just signifies the, the end of an era. The end of, I would argue, potentially the golden era of football in America. Now, I didn't live to watch football, wasn't around in the 60s, 70s, 80s to see the caliber of play. But from those who have seen it, those who have that as a reference, they tell you that the best age of football, the best product, the highest levels of contribution came from the NFL in the mid to late 2000s into the mid to late 2010s. Same exact frame of reference and situation in college football. Who had the most success in those time frames? Who's the common denominator? Hmm. Nick Saban in college football, Bill Belichick in the NFL. Pete Carroll mixed him into both of those pots. USC, and then on the Seahawks in the NFL. Their consistency, everything about it. So it's not a sad period of time. It's certainly an opportunity for people to look back and reflect, but it's also it's also really important to note that it is, at the end of the day, the end of an era, and in my opinion, the golden era of football in America. Not to be, it's not to say that they 
there couldn't be another era in the future that leads up to or rivals how amazing football was from mid 2000s to late 2010s. But I think that was the golden era of football in America, college and NFL. Could potentially be matched at some point in the future. Maybe that era is starting now with this new younger wave of quarterbacks and a new wave of college with the conference realignment, the expanded playoff. Who knows? But more than anything, you had to know. You had to know that there was a transition that was going to happen. It started with the coaches. Or, uh, it started with the quarterbacks, the wave of quarterbacks in the NFL. Transition in football, college and NFL, has been starting for a long time. Coaches typically can last a little bit longer than players. But you look in the NFL, started with the wave of quarterbacks in the last five years that started to hang it up left and right. Eli, Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. Coaches that had those guys started to hang around a little bit longer, right? Belichick in the NFL. And then in college, we knew college football is traditionalist, power five conferences, East Coast, the South, the West Coast, the North, right? All these big conferences separated, coming together on rare occasion to play each other in big time games and bowl games. Then the transfer portal came along. NIL started to transition things. Players were leaving a little bit earlier, making more money, going to different spots. Recruiting was an entirely different ball game. College football became primarily about the money, not saying that's right or wrong. Players started to get into the NFL. Again, coaches started to hang around a little bit more. But ultimately, the game of football has changed drastically. And that transitionary period started a few years ago, both at the NFL and college level, and has slowly panned its way through both sports at both levels, college and NFL. And I think ultimately, neither of the coaches wanted or could keep up with all the new changes and the way the sport and the direction that the sport was going. Saban didn't want to deal with NIL. Saban didn't want to deal with the portal. Bill Belichick didn't want to deal with the free agency and the media and the quarterback carousels and the coaching carousels and all the car the stuff. It's just noise. It's nonsense. These guys are getting old. They've been there. They've done it. They were done. They didn't want to deal with it anymore. Couldn't deal with it anymore because the game today is not the game that they got into when they started coaching. It's not the game that they loved. I'm not saying it's a better or worse version of football in college and NFL. It's just different. And it's not the same game that both that all these coaches that are retiring first started coaching in. So because of that, I think a lot of these guys potentially started looking into retirement a little bit earlier than they thought. It's okay. It's not the end of the world. But it does signify officially as of January 2024, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, Nick Saban retiring or moving on from coaching the end of an era in football in America. This new era that's going to be starting in the years to come. We'll see if it can live up to the hype. But it's the end of the golden era, in my opinion, of American football from the mid 2000s to the late 2010s. And words can't even quantify the contributions from those coaches. I mean, like a dollar amount, anything. You cannot put a number or a price tag on what the contributions were from those guys. I mean, just one Super Bowl as a head coach, Pete Carroll. That's amazing. That's incredible. Multiple NFC championships. That's amazing. That's incredible. College football national champion. Head coach of a college football program that had the Heisman Trophy winner. Unbelievable. Just all of those accolades right there for one guy. You'd be like, wow, what a legend. What a legend. And he is. Pete Carroll's a legend. Then there's this other guy who just mutually agreed to part ways. He's coached in the NFL for 30 some odd years, 40 some odd years. I don't even know how long Bill Belichick's been the head coach or been a coach. He's been a coordinator a couple places, whatever. He's been with the Patriots for 20 plus years. Six Super Bowl rings? That's, that's unbelievable. 
Oh my God. Oh, and another coach that just retired has seven national championships as a head coach of arguably the best college football program of all time. Of all time. All you need to know about how massive a deal, how gigantic the contributions were of Belichick and Saban, not only as a tandem when they were together, but you have other teams, other organizations celebrating and not like, oh, I'm pissed off about it. Just they're just celebratory that these guys are finally no longer going to be around to just dominate over and over and over. That's all you need to know. Other organizations and outside teams, rivals, competitors of these teams in Alabama or the Patriots are celebratory because Belichick and Saban aren't going to be around anymore to just blow their doors off. The Patriots before Bill, Bill Belichick as a head coach were horrible. I like completely irrelevant. Alabama football had a big peak with Bear Bryant had one national championship after Bear Bryant before Nick Saban. But other than that, they were irrelevant. They were searching for an answer as a head coach. Before, irrelevant. After, dynasty. Patriots, before Belichick, irrelevant. After, dynasty. That's all you need to know. That's, that's it. They turned teams and organizations from irrelevancy to dynasty status. And now have outside organizations celebrating them moving on from the sport of football because of how dominant they were. That's the impact on the game. And in my opinion, from those two guys specifically, and you could even throw Pete Carroll into this conversation, but primarily Belichick and Saban, you will never, ever, ever see either one college coach or NFL coach have the levels of sustained success that both of those guys had. You'll never have an NFL coach that walks out of his career with six Super Bowl rings. You'll never have a college football coach that walks out of his career with seven national championships. It'll never be repeated. It'll never happen again. Worthy of celebrating, worthy of talking about, worthy of mentioning. It's sad. As an Alabama fan, it is sad. It is sad to see a guy like that move on. He's 72 years old. He didn't want to deal with the nonsense anymore. He didn't. And I understand that's not his, you know, I'm not going to sit here and I mean, he's done it all. He knows what it takes. But it's time for him to move on. For Belichick, it's time for him to move on. You know, will Alabama be as dominant as they were with Nick Saban without Nick Saban in the future? Of course not. Of course not. They've already had a couple of main leading head coach replacements turn down the head coaching job at Alabama. Now, that's obviously because they're already at a big power five school that is compensating them very fairly. But despite the narrative that Alabama is going to have the pick of the crop, their choice, whoever they want, come in to replace them, I do not think that's the case. At all. In fact, I think it's the opposite. I think all these other coaches want to show up next year, staying with the programs that they've had some success with, and take it to Alabama if they get the opportunity to do that. Lane Kiffin, I don't think, wants to be the head coach at Alabama. He's at Ole Miss. He almost beat him this year. He wants to beat Alabama. Dan Lanning said, I'm staying at Oregon. I want Oregon to be a better program than Alabama. I think Alabama's going to have a really hard time filling that head coach vacancy with somebody that everyone agrees is even in the same realm as Nick Saban for multiple reasons. Number one, it's hard to be in the same realm as Nick Saban, right? Legendary GOAT status, greatest college coach of all time. That's number one. It's hard to ever meet those requirements or expectations or even get in the same conversation. Understood. The other part of it is I don't think other guys want to come into Alabama and have it feel like they start the season, start their 
tenure at a new school already on third base. I think these head coaches nowadays, too much pride, too much money elsewhere where they can just start their own thing, build their own legacy, do it on their own, not have that Alabama program status stepping stool that could potentially be used as an argument against them and knocked out from underneath them when people are talking about the legitimacy of this guy's success. Dan Lanning doesn't want to go to Alabama because he knows if he builds that same type of program, that same status at Oregon, then he can be considered one of the greatest of all time. If he walks out of Oregon with three or four national championships, not saying it's going to happen or not. I'm just saying if that happens, he is in the same conversation. Taking a school like Oregon? Steve Sarkeesian stays at Texas, finds a way to get back into the playoff, wins two, wins three national championships. He is in that status. He's in that conversation. He'd rather do that, have that happen at Texas, be his own program, be the, le the legend of Texas, or Dan Letting be the legend of Oregon, than to abandon what they've already tried to build elsewhere and go to Alabama, start on third base, and always 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 be a secondary mention to who was the best coach of all time at that program which is nick saban so i think alabama's gonna have a pretty hard time finding a guy anywhere near the conversation of the caliber of nick saban of course because saban's the greatest number one but two i don't think a lot of guys want to go there not because it's not a desirable head coaching job but it's, it's either going to be, I think realistically, they end up with a pretty middle-tier head coach. A guy that's had a little bit of sustained success. Maybe he was a coordinator elsewhere. You know, maybe he has had some success at a middle to, to top third of the college football realm, right? He's had a little success towards the top but he's not at a program where it'll ever be considered a legendary status type of a program anyways. So he knows that his best opportunity to make his legacy would be to jump to Alabama. But all these coaches just take the top 12, the top 12 programs in college football, go through the head coaching jobs at Michigan, Washington, Oregon, Texas, Florida state, Georgia, Ole Miss, Penn state, None of those guys are coming to Alabama. None of them. Why would they? They're getting paid at their jobs and at their schools. And why would they want to go elsewhere? Why would they want to go to Alabama, start on third base, be a secondary mention, have every question be at the next six months worth of press conferences, what are you going to do to follow in Nick Saban's footsteps? How are you going to live up to Nick Saban's legacy? How are you going to be the next Nick Saban? I wouldn't want to deal with that. Why would I want that? I don't care how much money they're paying me. I could just stay at Florida State if I'm Mike Norvell. I could just stay at Georgia if I'm Kirby Smart. I already have two, two rings at Georgia if I'm Kirby Smart. I need like two more, and I'm in Saban's conversation. I'm already at Penn State, James Franklin. I'm already at Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin. Already making a couple million a year. Pretty comfortably, I'm the head coach. I'm already here. I've already done the recruiting to this program. And I don't need to go to another school and get asked about some other guy that was the coach before I came in. I don't want to deal with that. And I understand. So I think Alabama ends up with a middle to, to decently high-tier head coach, uh, a guy that was at a Division I program, potentially another SEC school, but towards the middle or bottom. And then we go from there. And then Alabama next year loses two or three games, hovers around that eight to 10 spot, gets into the playoff, doesn't win a national championship. And we'll see what happens. But I could be wrong. Alabama has built a dynasty to some degree. Their, their program is as high level as anywhere else. Uh, maybe they do land a big fish. But in my opinion, I don't think these coaches want to be a part of that at all. They want to build their own legacy elsewhere and not be a secondary mention to who was the coach before they came in. That's my opinion.
Speaking of college, speaking of coaching, speaking of the NFL, speaking of all of it, right? And not to overshadow what was accomplished on the field less than a week ago, five days ago. Three days ago, Monday, Monday, January 8th, Michigan beats Washington 34-13. Michigan beating Washington in the fashion that they did. Michigan beating Alabama. Michigan going 15-0. With their style of play, to me, gives me a little bit of hope for the sport of football. Michigan being the way that they were, coming out on top winning a national championship, gives me a little bit of hope. Because football for such a long time has just leaned and trended in the direction of who's the quarterback, how athletic is he, how tall is he, how far can he throw the ball, how many passing attempts can we have, we don't need to play defense, we can just score, 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 and then we'll win. For Michigan, it's, we're going to destroy you on defense, and then when we get the ball, we're going to destroy you at the line of scrimmage. If you think you're going to beat us on the line of scrimmage, you have another thing coming. We are going to just demolish you. We're going to have big, strong, smart. Disciplined. Tackles, guards, center. Linebackers. And we're going to beat you because we're bigger and stronger. We're going to run the ball. We're going to. Dominate the line of scrimmage. And it gives me a lot of hope. It gives me a ton of hope for the sport of football. And I hope that some teams can start to trend or at least build off the model that Michigan has laid out for how to be successful and go 15-0 and beat Alabama and beat Washington, two completely different caliber teams, and ultimately come out on top with a bigger and stronger and more physical dominant line of scrimmage presence. That's how Michigan's won games this year and in years past, and I hope that trend starts to continue. Lack of the, just the overall lack of defense in college football has started to make some parts of the game kind of hard to watch. You got games that come out of the SEC, come out of the Pac-12, where it's just like Big 12. Regulation scores, both teams are scoring in the 50s. That's not, to me, how you should have or try to have sustained success. For Michigan, it's they started from the line of scrimmage and built their way out. And for people, here's another thing. I'm not a Michigan fan. I'm not a J.J. McCarthy diehard. I don't have any allegiance towards him or Michigan at all. But people that jokingly or actually seriously are in any way discrediting J.J. McCarthy as the quarterback in Michigan or saying all he had to do is hand the ball off. He didn't do anything in the national championship. He didn't do anything this whole season. He didn't need to. Yeah, you're right. He didn't throw the ball a ton, and he didn't need to throw the ball a ton. Why would he do anything but turn around and hand the ball off? First of all, he's not calling the plays. Second of all, why would he do anything differently or check out of a run play into a pass play when his running backs are averaging six yards a carry, eight yards a carry, 10 yards a carry? He would be stupid to not continue to hand the ball off. This whole narrative that quarterbacks have to just drop back, air the ball out, rip balls down the field all over the place the entire game. Yeah, sometimes, maybe, sometimes. Uh, but a lot of the time, some of the most successful quarterbacks in the history of the sport have strong arms, make good decisions, take care of the ball, accurate and manage the game. This tagline, this label of game manager for quarterbacks has somehow turned into a 
a negative thing to say about somebody. It's got a bad connotation to it. Why? J.J. McCarthy's a game manager. He just won the national championship. He, don't, he didn't need to do anything out of the ordinary. I also distinctly remember a quarterback who was middle to average tier in terms of production and skill level who also came out of Michigan, who also knew how to manage games pretty darn well, who also played with a pretty stellar defense for a lot of his career and also had a really solid line of scrimmage presence on the teams he played on, most specifically his offensive line. He had a pretty good career in the NFL. Name was Tom Brady. Ever heard of him? Tom Brady. Have you ever heard of him? Have you ever heard of that guy? I'm not saying J.J. McCarthy's Tom Brady. What I am saying is you don't need to throw the ball a lot to be a good quarterback. Manage the game, understand the situation. And anybody, joke, you know, if you're just messing around about J.J. McCarthy and the fact that he didn't throw the ball a lot, I understand. It's, it's a funny joke to make. But people that are actually going to knock on him because he didn't throw the ball a lot or people that are going to use that as an argument against him for his draft status and say, oh, well, he didn't even have to throw the ball in the college playoffs, so why would he be a good quarterback at the NFL? That's not a real thing. That's not, a, that's not an argument. He didn't need to throw the ball. Why would he throw the ball when they were averaging like 11 yards a carry against Washington in the national championship? Turn around and hand it off every single time. Turn around and hand it off every single time. Turn around and hand it off every single time. Oh, and then when he did pull it out, it's off to play action. He delivers the ball accurately. He can throw on the run. He can throw a deep ball, has a really strong arm, and did exactly what he needed to do to, oh, win the national championship. And that's what he did. Don't want to hear any garbage about J.J. McCarthy not needing to throw the ball a lot or the fact that he didn't contribute. Certainly did contribute. He managed the game. And he won the national championship. Fine by me. Fine by me. Congratulations to Michigan, to the Wolverines. Their first national championship as a college football program in so many years, some odd 20, some odd years. Congratulations. Jim Harbaugh is an excellent, excellent, excellent coach. Their execution as a team was unbelievable. Their play calling and crucial short yardage, late down, goal to go situations. Second to none. They pulled out all the tricks, all the stops against Alabama. They pulled out a lot of the tricks and stops and motions and not trick plays, but, you know, complex offensive schemes and calls against Washington. Worked to it to T. Defensively, Michigan, one of the best defenses I've ever seen in the sport of college football. Washington, great season. Michael Penix, going to be a solid player. Just makes me a little bit confused because I just really thought Oregon as a team profiled similarly to Michigan in terms of a game-managing quarterback who's talented with a big arm, good levels of offensive production, but also dominant on the defensive line and a good defensive presence. So when Oregon didn't beat Washington or when Oregon, you know, was favored by 10 points against Washington in the Pac-12 championship and then Washington just won. I wasn't sure, like, what the hell happened there. But whatever, you know, Washington beat them. Then they played Michigan and, and yeah, Michigan just out physical them. That's it. I mean, they just dominated. And uh, congratulations. They deserved it. They earned the national championship. Uh, you know, next year, I'm not sure how great they're going to be. They're probably going to lose Corum, Edwards, uh, Roman Wilson, J.J. McCarthy. I don't know how many other guys on their defense will probably end up getting taken somewhere. It's going to be a lot of turnover for Michigan. But who's to say they'll be good? The other part of that conversation is Jim Harbaugh. Will he stay in Michigan? Will he go to the NFL? 
I think that's uh kind of up in the air. If I had to make my early prediction, which honestly is not that early anymore, it's kind of getting down to that crunch time where all these coaches are retiring and moving on and other teams are hiring and this and that. I would say he's probably going to stay in Michigan. That's my best guess. But on the flip side, his stock as a coach is never going to be higher. I'm not sure where Jim Harbaugh will end up. I know if he goes to the NFL, he'll probably have some success. If he stays in college, he'll probably have some success. He's a good coach. He's a really good coach. And he's a national championship head coach. He's led a team to a Super Bowl. He knows what he's doing, right? He knows what he's doing. So congratulations to Michigan. Congratulations to J.J. McCarthy, Jim Harbaugh, Blake Corum, Roman Wilson, Donovan Edwards. Those are all the guys I know. Oh, uh, talk about their tight end, Colston Loveland. That guy's pretty, it's going to be kind of nice in the NFL. He'll be nice. Big boy. Congrats. Congrats to them. That's college football, man. And we're going to move on quickly. Just talk about a little bit of NFL, a little bit of playoffs. Playoffs? Playoffs? What do you mean, playoffs? NFL playoffs. We got some awesome, awesome, awesome games to look forward to this weekend. Lots of storylines. Lots of reunited players lots of former guys who were here now they're there but they're coming back i mean first game saturday you got browns and texans browns got deshaun watson from the texans in a trade sean watson's not playing anymore or at least for now just obviously dealing with the injury joe flacco is playing and he's been nasty. Team that made a big trade. Browns and Texans. Texans get into the playoffs. They're the home team. They're the home team. Browns are the uh, the visitors. CJ Stroud. That's going to be an a awesome game. Awesome game. Later that night, Dolphins Chiefs in Kansas City. It's going to be like zero degrees in Kansas City. Dolphins play the Chiefs. Chiefs get a home playoff game, but they haven't been great. But the Dolphins haven't been great in cold weather. Tyreek Hill's coming back to Kansas City. A lot of storylines to follow there. Sunday, first game. It's And then this one's, you know, uh, I don't know about storylines in terms of the Bills and the Steelers. Going to be a good game. The Bills get to play a home playoff game. to get the host of Steelers in Buffalo. They're favored by 10. You know, they should get through this game pretty comfortably. Who knows? Uh, but they're playing a lot more improved caliber of football than versus the level of play they were at early in the season. That'll be a good game to watch. Then second game on Sunday, Packers at Cowboys. That game, you got Mike McCarthy, former Packers head coach, now the Cowboys head coach. Cowboys against the Packers, historically speaking, in the postseason, Packers have given the Cowboys fits, whether they've been the underdogs or not. That'll be a great game. Then, in my opinion, the best game of the weekend, you got the Rams and the Lions. Obvious storylines coming out of that game. Jared Goff, Matthew Stafford facing off for the first time since they've been traded for each other. Matthew Stafford coming back to Detroit after having a, a good of a decent amount of success with the Lions. And of course, since then winning a Super Bowl with the Rams. That's just gonna be a great game. The Lions get their first home playoff game in in I think like literally like 25 years or something. Crazy. And then I think the game that's the most interesting Monday night, wild card weekend Monday, Eagles at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So the Bucs won the NFC South, and as a division champion, you get to host a home playoff game. The Eagles are 11 and 6, but boy, are they scuffling. I mean, boy, are they scuffling.
Eagles are favored by three. They haven't played a good football game in two months. That's not to say they're not a good football team, but don't look now. You walk out of this game, Bucks take the victory, you know, 20, 24, 21, you know, like that type of game. Tight game to the end. Bucks score a touchdown at the end to, to, you know, tie it. Eagles get the ball back, don't score, and then Bucks go to over, you know, that game eagles bucks has overtime written all over it. that's all i gotta say it's got overtime written all over it will it happen i don't know i hope the eagles win i like jalen hurts i like jason kelsey i hope they have success nothing against baker nothing against the bucks but we'll see what happens we're in for a great weekend it's going to be a really fun time in terms of the nfl College football has been pretty crazy, even crazier with Saban moving on. The coaching carousel is in full swing. I mean, it's crazy. Coaching is just crazy. Who knows what will happen? Um, but either way, hopefully you guys enjoyed. Hopefully you guys enjoyed episode 79, the We Know Ball podcast. Again, my name is Ryan. At Ryan Knows Ball on Twitter. At We Know Ball Sports, Instagram and TikTok, Spotify and Apple Podcasts is where we put our podcasts. YouTube has the full length clips. YouTube also has reaction videos and other content on there. That'll do it. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed episode 79. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the NFL wild card round. And otherwise, we'll catch you guys on here next time. Peace. Don't trust me.